Hi, you're currently tuning into 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Liron Mazor. My guest in the studio is Rabbi Elgrod. Our topic today is the Garden of Riches and Mazal. Rabbi Elgrod is the spiritual manager of Rav Arush's Kehillah. And uh, as I've said in a previous show, he's definitely my favorite speaker. Uh, just the way he eloquently brings and discusses different aspects of Torah is uh, one of the most exciting things for me to hear. Rob, when we start off our topic, maybe just uh, maybe there's a Kimura source or something that we can bring in, just help us to understand money and how does it affect us in our lives. Thank you, everyone, for the invitation here and the privilege of speaking to all the listeners and welcome to all the listeners here to Chai FM. Uh, yes, absolutely. Panosa is a difficult, difficult thing. There's a Gemara in Tractate Psochim on the 118th page, first side. And the, the Gemara there says, Kashin adam yamsuf, That for a person to have a good Panosa is as difficult as tearing the Red Sea. Actually, there's another source that says the same thing in Tractate Sota on the second page, first side. And there it says that getting married is as difficult as tearing the Red Sea. In other words, we can see that these two things, which, as we're going to see, have got a connection between them, marriage and panosa, are difficult things. They're not easy. And today, with the help of Hashem, we're going to give some practical advice. How can we tackle the difficulties in panosa? Stay tuned. Coming up after this, we're going to be going through more ideas from a book written by Rabbi Arush called The Garden of Riches. It's a book I really enjoy and often give away as gifts. And also discussing some ideas around Mazal, and there's even skulot, a, uh, a, a what, how would you say skula in a virtue, a virtue that you could follow to try and help you increase in your pranasa. Currently tuning to 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Liran Mazor. Today in the studio with me is Rabbi Elgrad, the spiritual manager of Rabbi Arush's Kihila. Today we're discussing the Garden of Riches and Mazal. Rabbi, we're going to discuss a couple of uh, points and ideas during the break. You and I were just talking through one or two uh, practical ideas, and I think the one that's the most interesting for me is anger. Um, you know, I'm part Moroccan, part Iraqi, and uh, the Moroccan blood definitely uh, comes through often. And um, I, I also, one of my favorite books is reading the Rambam's letter, where he says the importance of uh, understanding how the effect that uh, anger can have on your life and on your parents. Can you maybe elaborate a bit on that? Hello, everyone, and thanks again for coming back here. Um, we need Rabbi Nachman of Breslev, in his book called Likutei Moharan, he writes in several places that one of the major things that ruins Panosa, that kills your ability to have a good financial standing, is anger. He writes it in the 59th chapter, in the 68th chapter. I'd like to read a small segment of what he reads because it's really scary what he writes. And I'm going to translate it instead of reading it out. He says that all of Amisroel are worthy to have a lot, a lot of money. But there's one trait. There is one negative trait that ruins everything. And it's very difficult to, it's very difficult to handle it. And that is anger. And he goes on and he explains how anger and money are connected. And he says many times when you feel that you have a difficult trial concerned with anger, it's because Hashem wants to bestow. It's because <coughs> Hashem wants to bestow upon you great riches and he's giving you the trial to see, will you do it? Can you cope with it? And if you got angry, you lost it. You had the chance of being a billionaire. You got angry with your wife, angry with your kids. You just missed the chance, and that's it. <laughs> so how does one work on one's anger then? Working on anger is one of the most difficult things. First of all, you have to pray. 
it's a very difficult trait. You have to pray that Hashem will help you to cope with anger. The second thing is you have to learn about anger, knowing how bad and what a terrible trait it is, knowing all the things that happen to a person who's angry. The third thing is the Peleo Etz. He writes it under the value of anger. He says, you've got to start finding yourself. He says, finding yourself, especially with money. We're in a program talking about money is a wonderful solution. Imagine if every single time that you got angry, you would have to pay a fine of 100 rand. Now, maybe 100 rand is not a lot for you. But if you come to the end of the month and you've got to pay 5,000 rand because there were 500 times or 50 times that you got angry, that's going to hurt your pockets. Right. And you're going to be very, very careful not to do that again. Right. So one of the things we need to know is anger, which means if you're an angry person, you get angry at your wife, at your kids, at your coworkers, at your friends, at your neighbors, don't be surprised that you're having financial difficulty. Those two things are intertwined. Sure. That's definitely something I'm going to be working on. Thanks for that insight. Um, in the Garden of Riches, Rabbi Arush speaks about income with dignity. When I look at it, I think, okay, well, surely everybody doesn't income with dignity. However, living in South Africa, we've learned that, unfortunately, that's definitely not the case. What does earning an income with dignity mean? Earning an income with dignity means that the way you're making money, the way you are bringing the panosa to your home, you are not hurting any other human being. You're respecting their dignity, their dignity. You're treating them with utmost respect the way you'd want people to treat you. I'd like to give an example, okay? Imagine now that I have a product that I want to sell. Let's give an example. I want to sell a Rolex watch. It's become the in thing I know around the world. It keeps its currency considered to be something that everyone wants to get. I want to sell a Rolex watch. I bought the watch and I am now using you, manipulating you to make more money in a way that is dishonest. For example, I'm lying to you and I'm telling you the watch cost me more than what it really did. Right. That is not considered to be panasa with dignity. That is considered to be lying, theft, sure. honesty in panasa. The first thing that a person is going to be asked when he reached the heavenly realm, the Gemara says this in Tractate Shabbos on the 31st page, is nasata venatata bemuna. Were your financial dealings, were they done through faith? Were you honest with your fellow man? Were you truthful? You can say to him, listen, I bought the Rolex for 100000 I'm going to sell it to you for 250000 Why? That's what I want to sell it for. I believe that's the price. You right. were 100% honest with him. You told him what you got it for. You told him what you're selling it. But if you lie to him and say, listen, I paid 200000 for the Rolex watch, that one sentence, that is not already panasa with dignity. Do you by any chance have any other examples that you could think of that come to mind? Other things that panasa, for example, not with dignity. We have some people who their panasa depends on enjoying the suffering and the pains of other people. Be very careful of jobs that have got to do with other people's anguish and suffering. For example, I had one of my students whose wife, she got a position as being one of the head critics in the IRS. It was sure. her job to do the books, to do the special projects, to find the people who are avoiding from paying the taxes and to bring them to courts to make sure that they'll be punished appropriately. She asked me, should she take such a job? It was a difficult question. It was a good job with a very good paycheck. And I went to ask also my rabbis, and they all said to me, stay away from such a job. Even though there's no halachic problem with it, we're talking about a job where you're causing anguish to other people. You're persecuting other people. You are punishing them, taking away their money, sometimes their freedom. Do not ever try and work in a job where you're the rod. Always be the one who is good to others, not the one who punishes others. It's not worth it. That's a, a great uh, 
idea to take home with. And I think that really what it boils down to is integrity. And I think that uh, what, what's so important is always to be able to speak and to be comfortable with the truth. Um, I'm really busy reading another book called um, Wealth, the Torah Approach that was written by Abraham Tzvi Schwartz. And uh, what I find interesting in this book over here is it says, even if you've made a mistake, make sure that you um, take the side of responsibility and of integrity and admit the fact that you've made the mistake, be honest with the person, and making sure that you are really what we sell in Orla Goyema, a light unto the nations. I mean, as Jews, we have a, the Torah that really guides us about how to act and how to behave in this world. And what's so important is that we sometimes focus more about the money than about who we are and what we have to do. And if we can maybe think of it from a very short perspective is that life really is a cycle. You're here for a short term. You're not going to be here indefinitely. And life will come and life will go. And afterwards, in 100, 300 years, people won't really know who you are. But from a soul's perspective, when you've got to stand in front of Hashem and say, right, did I act in with integrity? You can't turn around and say, well, I don't really know what integrity is. Because Hashem said, well, I've given you this book, this guidelines of how to be able to be a better person, how to act with integrity. And most importantly, really, the idea that we've learned is how to act with, how to earn an income with dignity. You're currently tuned into 101.9 High FM. My name is Liron Mazor, and I'm speaking with Rabbi Elgrod. Today, we're discussing the Garden of Riches and Osa Mazal. You're currently tuned into 101.9 High FM. My name is Liron Mazor. I'm speaking with Rabbi Elgrod, the spiritual manager of Rabbi Arush's Kihila in Israel. Today, we're speaking about the Garden of Riches and Mazal. Uh, one of the first points we've discussed was anger and how anger can actually really affect your mazal quite uh, drastically and how it's important to get on top of that. One of the practical steps that you can do is actually dive into Hashem for a bit of help to overcome uh, anger in the long term. We discussed income with dignity and the, the importance of acting with integrity. Next, we want to try and follow up from also dignity is how does your relationship with your spouse, your wife, affect your parnasa? Oh, that's a wonderful question, Ron. A lot of people tend to think that their domestic situation at home, their relationship with their spouse has got nothing to do with panasa. It's absolutely wrong. The reason is, is that this world, the most important thing that Hashem has is the way we conduct ourselves to our fellow human beings, which is what's called benodzim l'chaveryo. The most important thing about benodzim l'chaveryo is how we conduct ourselves towards the ones who are closest with us. The Mishnah ends, the last, last Mishnah ends by saying that the vessel that holds the greatest blessing is the vessel of Sholem, of peace. Therefore, if a person is not a man of peace, if he doesn't have shalom, he's not going to have a vessel to have all the blessings that Hashem wants to bestow on him. And the most important place to have this vessel of peace is inside the house. If you do not treat your spouse with dignity, with integrity, with respect, with love, if you don't have peace in your house, how are you going to have a vessel to accept the blessing of Hashem? Why would Hashem bestow upon you the blessing of riches? I think for me, the, the, the nice take home behind that, especially after discussing anger, is it's so easy, especially when you're tired, to get angry with the person that's closest to you and to let your frustrations out because you feel the safest with them. But I think part of the work that I'm doing now with my wife is learning how to be more, have more empathy to understanding where she's coming from. And that's actually from uh, your advice that we had. We had a, a nice session yesterday where we spent some time and um, I've actually tried to share it with her as well. And I think to me that that's a, a big take-home because when I lose sight of the empathy and what she's going through and what she needs help with and where she's at, it's very easy for me to get angry. How, maybe elaborate a bit more on that. 
The Gemara says in Tractate Baba Metziah, on the 59th page, that Rava said to his students, Respect your wives in order for you to become rich. In other words, we can see here the Gemara specifically says that riches and a good financial standing is dependent very much on how we treat our wives, how we treat our spouses. We do tend to get very angry with them in many occasions unfairly because we feel that they're the closest to us, that we can behave any way we want, that we can we don't have to respect them because the outcomes will not be that grave since people are not going to see us, it's inside the house, sometimes with our children, maybe even we tend to treat them as possession. Says Rava, listen, the most important thing in your life important thing is your domestic situation having peace love and tranquility in your home that is the vessel for bestowing the blessing and for absorbing the blessing if you don't have that you're not going to have anything and so much so the Gomorrah says that when there's a feud a fight in the house it's as if there's a fire in the fire in, in, in someone's house it ruins everything if somebody is going through these difficulties how how's the best way to try and work with it this is a this is a, f- a fascinating topic, and we're going to try and give one simple tip concerning also the whole issue of panosa. A person who finds that he has got domestic problems, the reason is is that he is lacking of faith. Someone who is not happy, who's angry, who tends to get into fights and arguments with his with his wife, having a lot of conflicts, it's because he's thinking, "I'm not happy with my share. I'm not happy with what Hashem." gave me this is not what i wanted and this is now taking us to another section which is called being happy with your lot one of the most important things in this world is realizing that hashem owes us nothing everything that he gives us it has out of his goodness and is giving us exactly what we need so for example if you take your son to have a vaccination how will he react? Will he be happy? Will he say, oh, yes, yay, we're going to be, we're going to, I'm going to get vaccinated. Oh, no, he's not going to do that. He's going to kick, he's going to run. I remember when I was 10 years old, yeah. we, had, we had vaccinations in our class. One of, right. the guy, one of the students, he took a chair, he threw it at the nurse, and he hit. And the nurse had to be bandaged up by another nurse that came also. No child likes to be vaccinated. Right. But that is something that is, we know that is good. We accept it as something that, as parents, we know that this is a necessity. We need to remember that we're children. Hashem is the Father. He knows what's good for us. And since He knows knows what's good for us, be happy with your lot. Accept it as this is what Hashem wants you to have. Rob, thank you for that. I'm really grateful for those insights. We've got a limited amount of time, so let's maybe move on to another topic because I think there's uh, something that every person, every listener can take home from this. If you're currently joined in, my name is Liron Mazori, currently tuned into 101.9 Chai FM. I'm speaking with Rabbi Elgrod, the spiritual manager and, uh, of Rabbi Arush's Kehillah in Israel. Today we're speaking about the Garden of Riches and Mazal. The next idea I'd like to understand a bit more on is tzedakah. Everybody speaks about it. Everybody says, ah, give tzedakah and everything will be okay and everything will be good. What's the right amount to be giving and how do, how do we best understand what we should be doing from, a, uh, from the perspective of tzedakah? Before we start speaking about tzedakah, let's also understand another concept. How come you're supposed to even give tzedakah? How come the Gomorrah and all the sages say that when you're finding yourself in a difficult financial situation, 
give tzedakah. That's, it seems like a paradox. When I'm in a financial situation, I need to tighten my belt. I've got to preserve what I have in case of need, not give to others. So how does that work? And the Gemara says in Tractate Tanis on the ninth page, give your maestros, give your tithe, give your tzedakah, give your charity in order to become rich. How does that work? It's very simple. When you give money for charity, when you give money for tzedakah, you are actually proclaiming, Hashem, I know that the money is not mine. It's yours. And since it's yours, I am giving according to what you want me to give. I'm giving to others. And Hashem looks down and he says, oh, you've realized the secret that it's my money. You're doing with it so many good things. Wonderful. I'm going to give you more money so you can give more charity and do even better things. That's how Tzedakah works. Tzedakah is a leap of faith. Is there a pre-prescribed amount that I have to give? The pre-prescribed amount that one has to give, there are two parts of stocker. There's a part which is called stocker and a part which is called mice, a tithe. Stocker is when someone who is in need comes and asks you. Just so you should know, whenever someone asks you for money, it's always a wonderful thing. Reach your hand into your pocket, give him something. Even give him a small coin. Never turn any person down. You never know if he's needy or not. And we want to follow Hashem's ways. This world is measure to measure. If you open your wallet for everyone who asks, Hashem will open his hand every single time you ask. The second thing is giving a tithe of everything that we have. That is something that you're supposed to give 10%. And I'm specifying, we're talking about 10% net. We're not talking 10% gross. After the expenses, after you've paid off the loans, you've paid off the mortgage, you've paid off what you've now taken a loan to buy the car that doesn't belong to you until you finish paying it. After all that, the net amount of money that you make that's gone into your bank, from that, give a tithe. And a tithe is 10%. It's not easy. I can tell you a personal story about myself. About a year and a half ago, I was having all these difficult financial situations things were breaking down all these expenses i didn't know what to do i went to my rabbi rabbi arush i said what can i do he said do you give a tithe do you give maisa i said yes rabbi i give 10 percent." he said what do you give 10 percent?" he said i said rabbi i give 10 percent of the of, of the net of everything that i make he says listen he says you're right from the halachic point of view that's what you should do you want a blessing give 10 percent of the gross everything that you make before the expenses give 10 percent you'll see a blessing. Unbelievable. I'm not saying that's what you're supposed to do. Yes. What I did is extra. I can tell you personally, I could see how it affected my life. Sure. Every single person who I know who gives a tithe, my brother-in-law, my parents, my parents-in-law, they all say that it changed their financial situation. Sure. It works. It's the only thing that Gomorrah says and the book of Malachi in the third chapter says, you're allowed to try Hashem with. Hashem says, Bring all the mice to me and test me if I will not open Shemaim for you and bestow you without any limits. All the other things we're not allowed to try Hashem with. With Tzedakah and Maisa we are. We Just to come back, I want to get into a bit of muzzle after this. But I just want to try and understand, in terms of who we give it to, is it important? I mean, in South Africa you've got uh, Jewish and non-Jewish. Uh, you've got beggars on the street. Is that important or is it just open your wallet? Is that really the theme that you go with? Tzedakah is something that should be given to people in financial need. The maisa, the tithe, is something that should be mostly given or to people in need or to institutes which encourage faith. 
institutes where one learns about faith that strengthen a person in faith. And in South Africa here, you have some wonderful institutions that are all worthy, and that's what they do on a daily basis. So you've got exactly where you know where to give your money to. One of the other things that's discussed in the Garden of Riches is learning to be happy with your portion, happy with your lot. Just give me a one-minute line on that because I don't want to waste too much time. There's even more exciting things that we're going to be speaking about, which is mazal, and I want to try and understand that and maybe some practical steps that people could follow. Being happy with your lot is accepting that Hashem is governing exactly the way that he should. Being happy with your lot is having faith. Being happy with your lot allows you to have peace and internal tranquility, knowing that what you have is what you need. When you're not happy with your lot, you're constantly resentful, disappointed, upset. That is not faith. That's kafir. That's hereticism. It's exactly the opposite. And honestly, look at the people around you. Those who are happy with a lot have got a good life. Irrelevant to how much they make. Those who aren't, constantly upset or disappointed right okay mazal help me understand what is the concept of mazal is it something that that even exists or is it just something that we try and make up to to make ourselves feel good mazal is intertwined with being happy with your lot because we already spoke about this in our previous program that the gomorrah in tractate moed katan in the 28th page says that panosa has got to do with mazal And it's nothing to do necessarily with what you will try, how qualified you are. And that's why you've got to be happy with your lot. But the question is, what is muzzle? Muzzle, the Maharal explains, is a power that has got nothing to do with your merits, your virtues, your righteousness, your heritage, or even your actions. It is a power, an external power that affects a person and it affects each person individually. The question is, can you change that power? And the answer is, yes, you can change that power. Rashi on Tractate Shabbos on the 156th page says that we have something that is much greater than the power of muzzle. And do you know what that is? No. Prayer and good deeds. Through prayer and good deeds, we can change our muzzle. And we can make sure that our muzzle will shine differently. By the way, that's the reason why on birthdays, what do we say to each other? Happy birthday. And in Hebrew, what do you say? Mazaltov. Mazaltov. Have a good muzzle. Why is that? Because on a birthday, that is when his mal is, his, the muzzle, the power called mazal, luck, is the most powerful. So we're praying and wishing you that on your birthday, that power should be and affect you in a good way. Mazal tov. Have a good muzzle on this day. I've heard, and I don't know if it's real or not, but maybe you can help me clarify it. I've heard that it's good to daven specifically on your birthday for what you want because your gateways to Hashem are much... Uh, more open I mean is there something to that or not really yes absolutely there is a Benish Chai the Benish Chai in the Pasha of Pasha Sre'eh second year in the 17th paragraph he himself writes there that in his house they used to celebrate the birthday party and he brings their prayers special prayers that he used to dedicate on the day of his birthday because that is a day where the influence the spiritual influence that a person can get is greater than other days so if the benish high could do that we can definitely <laughs> do it ourselves great are there any skulot or any things that i could do to maybe try and change my mazal Actually, yes, there are some wonderful scholars that one can do to change the mazal. And I'd like to give five of those scholars. We're talking specifically here about scholars which have got to do with panosa, affecting panosa. Let's talk about the first scholar. The first scholar is the Shabbat. Shabbat is the source of all blessing. More so, the Yalkut Shimoni in Tehillim 
in hint number 831, he says that even though all your expenses are calculated from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, there are some exceptions which have got nothing to do with that. One of them is the Shabbat. The more you give, the more Hashem will give you. Shabbat is the source of all blessing. The more you honor the Shabbat, the more Hashem will open your mazal. And what do I mean when I'm saying honor the Shabbat? I'd like to give a few short, brief examples. First of all, honoring Shabbat, have a shloff. Go to sleep on Shabbos afternoon, on, on Friday afternoon. I know it's very difficult. You have to have and come into Shabbat being happy, feeling energetic. Your Shabbat table has got to be something happy with songs Zmiris. Rabbi Nachman of Breslev, who was never ever angry on anything, there was only one thing that it's written, he was very angry. It's written in Likutemu around the second part, the 104th segment, when people did not sing Zmiris on Shabbos. Okay. The only thing that it says, you used to get very, very angry. You sing Zmiris. You spend the time for some quality time. You sit, it's a holy day. You have the three meals of the Shabbat. You have a fourth meal, which is called Melavim Malka. The Shulchan Aruch discusses it in Orachaim in the 300th chapter, having a Suda, escorting the Shabbos out. Just like if you had a, a, a very important guest, you'd have a last meal where you'd escort him out. Same thing with the Shabbat. When you honor the Shabbat, and the Shabbat is the source of the blessing, Hashem, as we already said, this world is measure for measure. The way you treat the source of the blessing is the amount of blessing that you shall get. Sure, amazing, beautiful. You're currently tuning to 101.9 High FM. My name is Liron Mazor. I'm busy speaking with Rabbi Algrod, the spiritual manager of Rabbi Arush's Kehillah. And today we look to discussing the book of uh, one of Rabbi Arush's uh, books called The Garden of Riches and Mazal. Um, Rabbi Algrod's really gone through different ideas and topics with me. What we discussed is income with dignity. We've discussed the importance of having peace, shalom with your spouse and how that brings a lot of bracha. The importance of giving tzedakah and charity and also how to be happy with your portion. We're busy discussing now mazal. We're trying to understand what are the different zgulot. And uh, Rabbi used an interesting word just now for zgula. I couldn't even remember the English term. What did we say it was? The we said a virtue. A virtue. What virtues could one implement in their life to help enhance and maybe even uh, create more abundance and more financial prosperity. The first one we've currently discussed is Shabbat. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this to understand four more, four other skulot that one can use and implement in their lives. You're currently tuning to 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Liron Mazor, and I'm speaking with Rabbi Elgrad, the spiritual manager of Rabbi Arush's Kehillah in Israel. We're busy discussing uh, the topic today is the Garden of Riches and Mazal. We're on the topic of Mazal at the moment. We're just busy before the break. We were speaking about Shabbat as a sgula, a virtue to be able to creating more wealth. And uh, Rabbi, maybe we can just pick up where we've left off. Let's just finish off on what other uh, items or practical steps are there within Shabbat that we could follow to use this sgula to its most efficiency. We ended by speaking about the fourth Suda which is called Melava Malka, where we escort the Shabbos out. There's a beautiful, a beautiful remez, a hint that is brought about this gula. It says in the Torah, The Pasuk is actually referring to loaning money to someone poor. But the hint is like this, Im kesef, If you want kesef, you want panasa, talve, do a Melava Malka. 
It will help you for making sure that you will never ever be poor. Sure. That's a school of Malbaka. There's a beautiful story brought in a book called Matzmiach Yeshuot about a Talmud of the Maggid of Mezrich who was very poor and he came to his rabbi and he said to him, listen, rabbi, I don't know what to do. I don't have any money. And the rabbi said to him, listen, you have to become a Malamed. You have to become a school teacher for little boys. Now, in that time, there were no schools. You had to go around to villages and offer yourself up as a teacher to some rich villager who had young children. And he did that. All through the week, he ate on his own. He provided for himself. But on the Shabbat, on the Sabbath, they, he was eating together with his landlord, this villager who was a very, very simple man who knew, didn't know much about Yiddishkeit, respected but knew little. The first soda was in abundance, food and meat and soup and bread and drink, everything that he wanted. The second meal was exactly the same thing. The third meal, which was a milchik meal, was also an extravagant meal as worthy of such a rich, a rich agricultural success as this villager was, which he was. He, was, had, a big, he, had, a big, he had a big estate, a lot of lands. And then suddenly, after they've just now eaten a big meal for the third soda, they've davened Mariv. Suddenly, this Malamed turns to him and he says, Excuse me, can I please have a bit of bread to do the fourth soda? The villager turns to him and he says, Are you serious? Tell me, are you normal? You just now ate a massive soda this whole Shabbos. I've been feeding you and you want to eat again? I've never seen anything like this. This is uh, your midas. I mean, you're so concentrated on this lust for food. And the chassid is trying to explain to him, listen, I'm not doing this because I want food. I'm doing this because this is the mitzvah. And they started arguing and arguing. And then the chassid says, listen, I will give you my whole salary. Just please let me eat malka. And then what is the village? Just say, now I know you're abnormal. A person who's willing to pay his whole salary to eat? Oh, the lust for food that you have is something <laughs> abnormal. The chassid had no choice. He had to go out to another village to look for someone who was willing to give him some, some bread. It started raining, plummeting down. He managed to succeed. And then suddenly, the sky clears and he meets someone on the road. And he asks him, do you have by any chance some food for Malav Malka? He says, yes, I always take food with me. They sit down, they eat. And when he went back to the Maggid of Mezrit several weeks, several weeks afterwards, the Maggid says to him, do you know who that was? That was David HaMelech. Sure. That was King David who came uh. down from heaven because he saw how much you wanted to do the mitzvah of Malav Malka. So from now on, you have nothing to worry about, Panasa. Sure. So Malava Malka is a big scholar for Panosa. You don't have to eat a lot. You have to eat approximately 27 grams of bread, which is one piece of bread. You can put some spread on it, sing a song, light a candle. It's enough. It takes 10 minutes. Okay, Let's talk about another scholar, which great. is related to Malava yes. Malka. It's every soda. Birkat Amazon. Making the final blessing after you've eaten. The Sefer HaChinuch, which is one of the Rishonim, who deals with all the different interpretations on the mitzvahs of the Pashiyot, he brings in a mitzvah 430. This is what he writes. This is what I received from my rabbis. May the God save and preserve them. That all he who is careful in Birka Samozan, he will always have what he needs in dignity and respect sure. for the rest of his life. Sure. Birka Samozan should be benched. Slowly. The Chazonish used to say that a meal should take 15 minutes. Five minutes to eat, 10 minutes to make Birkat Amazon. Sure. Say it slowly. Read it out of a bencher. Word by word. Think of what you're saying. Birkat Amazon is a big skula for Panasa. 
Next school. Let's go to another one. Then. We're, right. going to number, we're, we're going now to number four. We spoke right. about this. We're just going to mention it briefly. Perfect. Giving masek sofim, giving a tithe of what you earn, 10%. We brought the Gemara in Tractate Tanit on the ninth page. Aser bishvil Give the tithe in order to be rich. The last gula is reading Pasha Saman. Pasha Saman describes what happened to Amisro when they were in the desert, manna in the desert. Manna in the desert, they were not working there. Hashem provided. Hashem gave them everything they needed. They had in the manna everything that they wanted to taste. You wanted to have biltong? It was biltong. You wanted to have steak? It was steak. You wanted to have dairy? It was dairy. Reading the manna, the manna portion, every single day is a very big scholar of virtue for Panossa. Why? Because first it teaches us that Panossa is from Shamaim. Just like the manna came from heaven without Amisrael doing any effort, and he provided for them for 40 years, that's how you've got to treat sure. your panosa. Second, Hashem gave each and every family exactly what they needed. So if it strengthens your faith, the more we said you increase your faith, right. the more Hashem will want to give you. You're currently tuned into 11.9 Chai FM. My name is Liron Mazor. We're speaking with Rabbi Algrod, who is a spiritual manager of Rabbi Arush's Kihila. Today we've been discussing the garden riches and mazal. We've just gone through a couple of zgulot, that being Shabbat, Brikat Amazon, Mase, and Pashataman. I don't think I could really do as much justification as Rav has done to each of those topics. I think the, the big take-home point for me is really the two is Shabbat is what could we do to really enhance our Shabbat? Because I think for many of us, we sometimes lose sight of that because we're tired and we think, geez, finally a day that we don't have to do anything. But we also forget to really connect with Hashem from a spiritual perspective. And that spirituality can be a place of simchen, a place of connecting with Hashem from singing and also uh, trying to find stories that we can share with our kids or in giving small divrei Torah. It's really a, a day that we can make very, very special. And Brikat Amazon, how many of us so often just say, Ach, Brikat Amazon, let me see how quickly I can get over and done with it. Rather, let's take a time and try and work through it, uh, not work through it, let's say the benching a lot more slowly and focus really on everything that we're saying. Hopefully all these tips and guidelines will really help you, the listener, be able to take your pranasa to the next level and any challenges that you're currently going through, you'll be able to overcome. If you're currently tuning to 101.9 High FM, it's unfortunately the end of our show. The last lot, I really want to try and end off with a story. In studio with me is Rabbi Elgrad, the spiritual manager of Rabbi Arish's Kehla. Rabbi, we've spoken about this gulot for Mazal, I find that the take-home with the story always is uh, firstly beautiful to listen to and also something that's memorable that can carry us out throughout the week and the months ahead. Can you share us a story about Mazal that, that comes to mind that you know can really make a difference? Yes, Levon. I have a wonderful story which happened to me actually recently with one of my students in Israel, and it's related to the Shabbat. He has a degree in computer engineering. He used to work for some computer company, and you all know that the computer market is very, very fickle. Things change very quickly. For a, for a year, for 12 months, he was looking for a job, and he could not find a job. And he came to me. He spoke to me about his financial difficulties. I asked him, tell me, how does your Shabbat look? And he described it in vague, vague colors. They're tired. They don't sing. They just eat and go to bed. They don't have the koach. They don't have the power to do anything. And I told him how to harness his Shabbat to sing, to prepare, tell stories, sing songs, say divrei Torah. Use it as a time to enhance the family. Use it as a time to enhance the relationship between him and his wife. He said, fine, he's going to try it. He did it once. The week later, he had an offer. Sure. 
a job and do you know where? Intel Israel. Wow, He's been working there already for six months and he said to me every single Shabbat they remember that Shabbat huh. is the source of the blessing and can change a person's muzzle and give him an abundance of panasa. Brilliant. I love it. What a great way to end. Wishing you a Shabbat Shalom for the coming Shabbat. Rabbi Elgrad, thank you so much. Um, as I like to end off, this is definitely my best speaker. My only pity is that you don't come to South Africa more often. But it's been an absolute pleasure, and I'm very grateful for your time, your expertise, and your knowledge. Thank, thank you. Thank you, everyone. It was a pleasure and a privilege. Thank you. been speaking with Rabbi Elgrad. Thank you for being part of the, 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 the show with me, and uh, look forward to connecting with you on my next show. Bye for now.